Hello, Catherine here. If you're listening to my podcast because you're a fan of wintering, the good news is that my new book, Enchantment, is available now. It's a book about how we can find a way to reconnect with a world that's sometimes hard to live in and even to find magic there. It's available in all good bookshops and please support your local indie if you can. For more information, you can go to katherine-may.com forward slash enchantment. Happy reading. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi everyone and welcome to the Wintering Sessions, the podcast in which writers talk about the cold seasons in their lives, periods of isolation, rejection and loss, and tell us what they learned. Today I'm talking to Rebecca Armstrong, a journalist and features editor at the iNewspaper and an all-round brilliant human being. Hi Rebecca. Hi Catherine. (laughs) (laughs) It's lovely to talk to you. It's really great to talk to you. I um, I really, really enjoyed um, wintering and found a lot there that really resonated with me. So I'm thrilled, uh, thrilled to be having a chat. Yeah, and that's how we got to know each other, isn't it? We got into a conversation yeah. about those wintering periods and um, met for a cup of tea, which is really rare for me. I'm normally really resistant uh-huh. to meeting to cups of tea. Um, but <laughs> well, I, I feel very honoured. <laughs> I had a feeling we'd get on. So, <laughs> so um, I am... Delighted that you agreed to talk to me because our conversation centred around the big changes that have happened in your life. Uh, And I just thought how amazing it would be for you to share what had happened with a wider audience than just me over a cuppa. Um, Because, well, to dive straight in, you stopped drinking last year. That's right. So I am now about eight and a half months sober. Congratulations. Um, Thank you so much. Um, And... I think if you had said to me this time last year that I would be, you know, happily not not drinking, you know, actively not drinking, mm. um, I would have been, 
I think I would have been very surprised. Um, sort of uh, enjoying a drink, um, sort of being being a bit wild after a drink was very much <laughs> part of my personality. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, it's some, something that over the years I had spent some time thinking about um, and I keep finding, I keep finding old notebooks um, and in the beginning of them, uh, sort of lists of pros and cons of drinking and, and lists of, of sort of addiction memoirs. So it was wow. obviously something that I was... So it had gone round your mind for a long time, but... Yeah, it, 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 it had, um, you know, and, um, you know, I'd, I'd done, you know, a few years back, I, I did a, I did sort of you know, a, a November without drinking, oh, yeah. um, as, as a teenager, you know, from the, from the ages of 17 to 18, I didn't drink, which to me at the time, <laughs> uh, you know, just, it, it, you know, I had my reasons and actually recently I've been thinking about that more and more, um, about obviously there was something then that I saw mm. about, you know, how I drank sometimes that wasn't very helpful. Um, mm. And yeah, and, and, you know, later on, I, I, I didn't, you know, alcohol used to make me feel really unwell and I didn't really drink very much. And I felt so furious when I was sort of in my early 20s. <laughs> you know, so it felt like my right to be able to sort of have a few drinks and then have a few more. Um, yeah. and, um, and I remember... I remember increasingly sort of thinking, what do people do when they don't have a drink? Yeah. You know, and sort of looking at how I would, you know, just sort of not necessarily plan my days around having a drink, but but that would always be sort of a high point. Yeah. You know, and if I had a day off, it would be, you know, a really nice thing to go and, you know, sit in the pub. I, I really liked... Um, I really like going to the pub. I really enjoyed going to the pub. <laughs> Pubs are I nice really... places, right? I mean, it, they're not necessarily evil places, are they? They're, they're not places at all. Where not at all. But social I... life happens, and I think that that must make it very hard. I absolutely. I mean, and also, I very much, you know, um, I very much used to use, you know, alcohol for me. Um, it was sort of it was lots of different things. It was. It was like a magic potion, you know, mm. it was like you sort of uncork the magic potion and, you know, have a drink and then what's going to happen? <laughs> Who are you going to meet? Where are you going to go? What are you going to talk about? You know, oh, was... I relate to that so strongly. I've, I've, funnily enough, I've been writing about that recently oh, and okay. thinking about how perhaps when you're a teenager and you start drinking, alcohol is that kind of almost magic gateway yeah. that brings about adventures you know it's this you take the potion and everything changes and everyone yeah. becomes disinhibited and you don't know what's going to happen and so you drink to open up that that potential of the evening. absolutely you know and I and also you know I mean I think of myself uh, you know there are obviously moments in my life when I'm not confident but usually I would think that I'm quite quite a sociable person mm. I'm quite confident but what has been really interesting over the past few months is sort of examining how much I used alcohol as, as Dutch courage, yeah. you know, as a as a magic potion to sort of, um, you know, as a catalyst, mm. um, as as you know, sort of 
liquid bravery. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and a, a way of sort of maybe making things that I didn't think were very fun more fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah, we've all been there. <laughs> which kind of begs the question, why are you doing the thing in the first place? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I think, I mean, people often talk about the journalistic culture of drinking, which yeah. hopefully is reforming a bit as we go through time, but, but maybe not as much as we, we might hope. Well... It, it's interesting. I mean, you know, there, there are after work drinks and there are leaving parties, you know. Um, mm. But I think what's really interesting is um, once I'd, I'd decided to, you know, to, to stop drinking, I, as a little exercise to myself, went through my uh, my inbox, my email inbox of all the invitations that, I, that I'm lucky enough to get mm. for events and launches and, you know, um, book parties and, and all sorts. And I mean, the... And I remember looking in the run up to Christmas. So obviously that's a particularly uh, as a particular time when socialising and alcohol are really on the agenda. But I mean, I I could probably have gone to drinks events three or four times a night for you know three or four and, times and, a night. Yeah, I mean, I oh I would get God, so many invitations. <laughs> that would kill so, me. I mean, I that I no, I mean, I wouldn't go and do that. But in terms of invitations, yeah, you know, just, you know, there's so many things and. You know, and, and and actually, you know, the prospect of a free bar mm. was always, always quite uh, quite appealing. Or you know, a cocktail workshop. Oh or God. you know, we never grow um, out of that excitement at the prospect of a freebie, do we? I think. I know. <laughs> you know, free and, food, free alcohol—they always um, seem very, very appealing somehow. Yes, um, and you know, and and so that. But I think, yeah, I mean, I think partly that um that kind of permission uh, you know i mean obviously i'd like to point out now you know wasn't sitting at work sort of you know sipping from a hip flask um <laughs> and you know and these were sort of you know social you know social events with sort of work thrown in or work events with socializing thrown in but i think you know looking looking back i, I can really see times when I realised that I I wasn't really drinking like other people. Right. And what did you that know, look like for you? What was that well, particular experience? So I guess the... I guess just the, you know, firstly, the lure of free drinks to go to a thing. You know, mm. that was a big like, oh, interesting. Okay, great. Let's do that. You know, yeah. I mean, I remember going to a very, you know, very lucky enough to, you know, I work a lot with publishers and, mm. and authors uh, in my in my job um, and, you know, get invited to some really, like, really wonderful dinners. You know, I've, I've been to publishing dinners where, you know, there are fantastic speakers, you know, there, there's, there's authors with books coming out. There's really great, you know, um, yeah. publishing people, great publicists. The sort of events that, you know, were I a teenager to look at what I was doing, I would be like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And it is. I love reading. I love books. You know, I feel very privileged that this is part of my job. And to go to these very, you know, these beautiful, beautiful spaces that have been set up for for dinners to, um, you yeah. know, to showcase writers and what titles oh, those, are coming out. Those publishing showcases are so glamorous. I rarely get to go to them. But when I have been, I am always so impressed by them and I and, always come away with a hangover actually yeah and, and it feels you know you uh, you know you feel part of a privileged club you're getting yeah. to talk to these people you know I remember going to one you know with William Dalrymple there you know and I remember years ago reading um from the holy mountain mm. um mm. and I think it's just the most 
brilliant brilliant book and you know just to be sort of rubbing shoulders and having a chat and you know and and, and you know they're they're important for work they're they're you know huge fun and important for work yeah but you know one that I went to I you know I went on my own which is fine I'm fine going on my own <laughs> things absolutely fine you know and then I was pretty much sort of swept out as the last woman there you know it was a it was a right. you know a really nice restaurant it had been set aside for the event and lovely lovely drinks and you know I wasn't sort of fighting or snarling but <laughs> you know it's absolutely you know fabulous chic dinner really great you know really great um authors towards the end of the evening we'd had these amazing sort of sharing plates of really delicious food and mm. and you know the the dessert was this huge kind of platter of pavlova it was gorgeous it was it was that it had um, amazing I think it had rhubarb and it was sort of pink and it was mm-hmm. so beautiful and me you know Dutch couraged up and feeling sort of fairly fairly larky I realized I had sort of a Tupperware box with me so I was like oh I'm gonna take some of this I mean it's just gonna go to waste isn't it so there I am with these authors sort of you know playing the sort of the cheeky larky features editor sort of you know swiping Pavlova for the next day and getting chatting to the staff and you know oh just you know being being given hot cross buns that were part of part of the bakery of the restaurant right, and generally wow. sort of feeling like I was I was sort of jolly good fun um mm. and then you know looking back now I just think I cringe wow you know because I you know I can perpetuate a larger than life character and I can sort of play up to that but I think I lost any sense of sort of nuance Right. When it's... I was drinking. And that's not, you know, that's not a story where it's like, oh my God, it was awful. And then no, I. It's not. And it's not know, like, oh, I destroyed my life. I destroyed everything I didn't around sort of me. Punch the barman and, you know, steal someone's necklace and end up, you know, in the gutter, you know, with my knickers around I my mean, ankles. Just to say I'm here for those stories. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, that's not, you know, that's just not this story. Um, you know, and, and I think as well, at, at so many things, you know, at weddings, at, at funerals, it was always sort of, always sort of looking out for where, where the drink was coming from. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it took me quite a long time to realise that people were not motivated to get on it in the same way that I was. Right, right. Um, you know, and also, you know, I, I've sort of had, had sort of drier periods and, and you know, wetter periods of, of drinking, mm. but... Um, you know, it, it's something that I've written about in my own journalism before. Um, six years ago, um, somebody very close to me had a life-changing uh, car accident. Mm. Um, my husband was um, knocked down and subsequently was in a coma and now lives in residential care. And, you know, that's that's a long story that, that I've told many times. But the past six years since that, have be were a big catalyst for me and my drinking oh I mean I I can only imagine how you must have felt the need to escape sometimes yeah and that that's exactly it you know I'd work very hard sort of in the day job then very hard on the sort of the life admin and the Mm. the care admin and um and that and the worry and so it got to a point where the only time I really felt that I could relax was you know with with a glass in my hand and yeah. it was seldom one glass and it was absolutely anesthetic yeah yeah you know kind of so put, puts a full stop 
I think I said in wintering how um, there were moments when uh, when I was in my full time job that I would have a drink at the end of the day to kind of render myself incapable. It was almost like a punctuation yeah. mark that said, you can't possibly expect me to answer emails now, guys. I'm drunk. Sorry. You know, yeah. and I really, I really, really recognise that need to deliberately put yourself out of the game sometimes. Almost. Yeah. Um, you know, like this is my time. This is my, you know, this is my time to to seek oblivion. I've spent all day worrying about other people mm. and worrying about, you know, keeping a, keeping a household running and and running a you know a, a legal case and doing battle with social services and yeah. and 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 so yeah, the, the the punctuation, the sort of, you know, the new the new the new paragraph uh, was one you know, that was sort of typeset in, in booze, Um, you know, and, and there are the, it, it sort of came to a head last summer, you know, there was, there's lots of, I'd been, you know, there's a saying in recovery, um, which is my life had become unmanageable. Mm. And that is a saying used in conjunction with, uh, with, with drinking. Yeah. But actually, drinking was part of it but I had managed to sort of cobble together an unmanageable life you know the 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 things that were beyond my control I'd I'd tried to control in a certain way and I'd done my absolute best for a long time Mm. and you know using using alcohol as an anesthetic and you know using it as a treat and you know it it was very much a part of my life and and it it got to a point where I realized that everything in my life was unmanageable I could I could not manage it it was beyond me and that's a huge um, moment isn't it that yeah that it, sense it, that it, everything is not something you can deal with anymore yeah and and I was due to um so this would have been this was sort of you know September last year I was due to go away on a real journo jolly I'm not you know let's let's <laughs> not I was not being sent to the front line I I was um I was gonna go to um Abu Dhabi uh, on on a press trip to write, write and then I was going to go and visit some friends afterwards um, who live out there and you know despite the fact that Abu Dhabi is not a country you might necessarily associate with drinking um, <laughs> you know press press trips uh, you know travel trips um, in, in my line of work you know if you're lucky you stay you see beautiful places it's a real privilege to go but there is quite a heavy drinking in the evenings culture mm. and you know obviously as we've discussed that was a culture that I sought out you yeah know? sure and you know hanging out with new new sort of contacts and you know there's something about p- certain press trips that it's a bit like being on like the best school trip you can imagine <laughs> but you're a grown-up and there's booze yeah. and it's normally quite quite glamorous locale so you can imagine that it it doesn't lend itself well to sort of um sobriety sobriety and and good sense Mm. and so this 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 trip was coming up and there was a lot going on you know in my life sort of beyond work and and I just it's almost like my body was just like no wow my mind was like no you can't you can't do this no so something kind of behind your consciousness you know just 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 sort of just sort of firmly um sort of shut the door 
was like, no, you're not doing that, you know, and I, I, I see a therapist who is fantastic. Um, Were you already seeing seen... the therapist at that point? Yeah, I've seen her, mm. I've seen her for a few years, and, and I remember saying to her, I don't, you know, I, I just, I don't think I can go on this trip, you know, it's just too alarming, and I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to do this, I know how it will pan out, and she just said, so, you know, what are the, what happens if you don't go? Mm. And I realised that I had to make I had to email three people. The my editor for this particular trip, the PR person who was organising it, and my friends and just say, I'm really sorry. Just can't. I can't I can't make this trip. And that was it. That was three emails that I had That's, to send and it's so interesting to me that what you had there was like the decision was made and then your job was to work out how and why you'd made the decision rather than and I think that's that's such a truth about how life happens to us quite often we're not in control of it it happens to us and and we we have to interpret it afterwards yes and you know and then you know so I had this you know I had this time I had this this week when I was meant to be you know away and and I lived for it you know and I I spent it quite quietly and I went I went to the seaside. I went to um, see, stay on my own in a friend's place in Margate and look after her cat. <laughs> and then I went to stay with my best friend in Broadstairs. Uh, and I had a couple of days, you know, by the sea, mogging around. I remember in Margate, I went to I went to like a real old school pub. You know, sat sat doing doing some embroidery drinking some booze you know I mean I really love the uh, you know I've always loved the sort of the the, the sitting around in pubs talking to the low to talking to the regulars <laughs> finding out what the jokes are who's doing what that's the darts team what's the you know what's the vibe you know the real pub connoisseur really oh, yeah. loved you know just just even a shit pub I loved because it was a pub deep you know pub. deep pub yeah you know and, and sort of went went back to my friend's house and sort of sat there and I woke up at about three o'clock in the morning really just sort of just thinking oh this again Mm. you know and the next day I I went to see a friend of I went to see you know my best friend and again we had you know a really lovely evening we sort of shared a bottle of wine a couple of gin and tonics there was nothing there was no there was no sort of rock bottom no it wasn't like you know I woke up sort of having you know abducted a policeman uh, you know wearing a cat on my head you know there's no sort of absolute I mean that there had been chaos but there was no you know there's no sort of this is it that's it but but I you know I woke up you know again at about three o'clock in the morning and I just thought to myself I think I think this might be it for a while just just, you were just done just kind of done yeah um and you know it, it it's funny because i have always i've always dreaded winter i've right. always found winter like really really hard you know i'm i'm sort of um i find you know i find that the the dark the darkness really mm. hard i think and i feel really um feel really resentful i feel really <laughs> resentful that it gets dark you know, I can deal with cold, but dark, you know, and I'm very resentful as a, as a woman that basically yeah. my world gets smaller during yeah. the winter. You know, there are, there are places I can't go. Um, there's places where I don't feel safe, you know, and yeah. I, so I really winter really not, you know, 
Not your favourite season? Not my favourite season at all. Um, And so, you know, suddenly sort of deciding, um, you know, suddenly deciding sort of, you know, and begin, you know, in autumn that, that, you know, probably wasn't going to drink for a while. That was my thinking. You know, it's it's sort of, it was, I suppose, a bit of a back to school feeling, like kind of a bit sensible, like... Mm. Um, but actually, I must say that the op- op- sober October, um, <laughs> sober October, you know, which ha- has the benefit of having a better name than dry January, which doesn't sound like anything, but like sober October or sober. I just sober... think dry, dry January is the last point in the calendar. I know. Or, you know anyway, I just. O- like October or whatever. Ooh, so, so actually, I found. One, yeah, I found that. I found that quite good cover because. Yeah. You know, I could just sort of say, well, well, I'm doing, you know, I'm doing Sober October. I'm just going to see how that goes. I mean, I don't think I'd decided at that point that, that I wanted to really call it a day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I spoke to a friend of mine who I knew who I knew was sober and she, you know, really sort of stepped up and was was hugely supportive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, being able to sort of, you know, meet new people and not not be drinking and for it to just be like, oh yeah, well I'm I'm doing sober October. It was it was sort of like it was a, a, it was like a gateway, I suppose. I mean, it, it was does, like it a gateway. That one of the hard things is that about giving up would be all of the questions, you know, and that gives you some cover, doesn't it? You just go, oh, I'm just doing sober October. It's, yeah, it it, it exactly. Simple. And it also, you know, it also sort of gave me cover from myself. Yeah. Um. So you know, so that I could sort of say to myself, well, I'm 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 just going to do this. Um, gonna gonna see you know see how this goes. Um, but that was that was really really a useful thing because it wasn't like I had to say to everybody, well, I think I've got a drink problem, right? You know, well, actually, I think this this thing that that has has taken up a bigger and bigger and bigger part of my life mm. is actually it's not helping me float; it's yeah. drowning me. Um, and um yeah so so it's being able to say well I think I might do sober October oh well actually it's going quite well I think I might extend it for a couple of months and then by the time you sort of three months in I think well for me I felt more confident yeah about... three months is a big chunk of the year isn't it that yeah that feels more... like a, a change then doesn't it three months yeah um and you know that interestingly you know probably around that time I read your book and I found that both the concept of wintering absolutely true you know it was just such such truth about oh, you know us having really nice to know that it landed at a moment when you needed oh, it oh it really, really did delighted um, by that you know these the, the sort of fallow periods in mm. our lives and then um but, but that we need them, you know, and that there are different ways to approach, you know, season, you know, a season both sort of emotional, but also in the calendar sense yeah. and, and appreciate that. So, you know, whereas, you know, in previous previous Christmases, say, you know, you'd, you'd find me sort of with a, with a pint of Baileys and, you know, <laughs> very much sort of throwing myself into the Christmas spirit, but also using alcohol to get through it. You yeah. know, it, it has been a really rough few years um I've had quite a rough few years and and um and it felt for a long time that alcohol helped I wouldn't say that alcohol caused all of all of my problems but it certainly was present um and so yeah the, the thought of Christmas sober and and how you how I would play it with with family who drink and 
with friends. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, I suppose it was a challenge, but it was one that actually I started to relish. Um, Sometimes when you're ready to, when you're mm. really ready to confront that challenge, then it, it becomes weirdly okay. I mean, not that it's yeah. obviously not hard. How did your family react? Did you get a lot of comments or? So I think that my dad was, I think he was just sort of, you know, um, whatever worked for me. Right. You know, I mean, he'd joke a bit because, he, he, you know, he, he's sort of seen me in full flight having, you know, having drinks. And he's like, oh, God, <laughs> you are a bit of a loony. Um, I think that um, for maybe other members of my family, they sort of thought it it was, you know, a temporary thing. But I, I found, you know, like I found like having my drink. So having my ginger beer, I got completely obsessed with ginger beer and having my drink. And actually, I'd really look forward to it. Um, you know, very I think good ginger beer out there. It has to be. Yeah, said. and and I think I'm I'm really surprised at you know, and, and with the caveat that you know I you know every new day is a new day, you know, and I aim to yeah. not drink today. I take it a day at day at a time. Um, but you know, surprisingly quickly, I didn't feel the daily craving for alcohol that had been such a part of my life. Oh. Um, you know, up until giving up. I mean, it took a while, mm. but it, it, I, you know, I, I, I was so surprised that it sort of, it, it loosened its grip on me. And yeah, being able to have like, you know, a delicious ginger beer. I mean, if you'd have said that to me a year ago, I'd have been like, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Piss, piss off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and equally finding, you know, non-alcoholic spirits, you know, um, there's a great one called Acorn. Again, I'd have been like, what is the point of that? You spent how much on some water? Mm. Ooh. But actually, I, I, I found and I find that having something that's quite a ritual, quite a special drink, I like the, the sense of um, sense of occasion. Ceremony. The, and, yeah, the treatiness of it. And when you think about the number of times we're willing to drink truly terrible tasting alcohol oh for God, the sake of so... drinking alcohol. I remember, and, you I know, if you if... flip that over, it's actually quite I know. shocking. I remember a few years ago, you know, I was away um, with some friends and we'd, we'd drunk everything. We'd drunk everything. And we ended the night, you know, sort of drinking, you know, Bacardi with not quite cold water. Because that was right. all that was left to drink. Wow. That is, yeah. That's not a pleasant yeah. drink. <laughs> no, you know, and, and just, oh, and I think of all the, all the book launches that I went to that weren't quite as lavish, where, you know, I'd just be sort of drinking like... I mean, again, diamond shoes are too tight. You know, it was free, but you know, I don't like. I never liked Sauvignon Blanc, but I bloody get 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 outside some of that if it was free. I mean, and you know, yeah. and oh god, the nights when I'd at the end of events be like, oh, those bottles of wine going spare. Oh god, and I'd go home, sort of with like I'd managed to acqu- I'd managed to acquire like three sort of orphan bottles of wine to take home with me. I- I'm actually putting my he- my head in my hands, <laughs> thinking about this, and you know, sometimes I take home sort of a few bottles of of you know purloined wine and then sometimes i'd be like come all back to mine and like various random people in oh wow, god you're, you're the life back soul. at my house oh god i mean i i often i often think a lot about my drinking because i do mm. enjoy drinking and i and there was a period of time after my son was born when i was definitely drinking too much and mm. i remember getting to the point where I woke up on Saturday morning and my eyeballs had turned slightly yellow and I just thought whoa that is that is not good and I yeah and I really knocked it on the head after that but yeah for me that was 
part of realizing a pattern of social behavior that yeah that really when I got to the bottom of it I was spending too much time with other people and it was more than I could yeah. cope with and I had to drink to cope I was overwhelmed yeah. I was completely overwhelmed yeah. and so actually the answer for me was just not to do that and I think there's probably a load of people who are very hurt by my behavior for walking away from their whole social scene but my thing was always you know like have everyone around the house cook a pile of food for everybody cook for everybody's children mm, mixing mm. everyone a drink and it was actually sounds exhausting it was, I mean, it was really exhausting and I'd have to be cooking so I could be in the kitchen so I was away from everybody else yeah but it was also like about trying to be generous and trying to be popular and feel wanted yeah. and not feel and like I, my life had slipped down the drain after having a child but well, I, this is it, it. the revelation um, for me was was really like wow I'm literally hurting myself with alcohol in order mm. to cope with the social life I've made for myself that I'm not enjoying you know and <laughs> I terrible. and I think I I think I wanted to you know in in trying to trying to manage an unmanageable situation um you know with hospitals and then care homes and mm. all this I think it was that was hugely overwhelming and I think I wanted to sort of try and prove that I was still fun and that I was still yeah you know you must have felt prematurely aged by that you know right I mean some days I felt you know some days I felt a thousand years old and other days I just felt like a really confused child like oh my god how is this my life yeah (laughs) what do I do and you know and I really feel that I you know that, that I have stripped a lot of stuff back and and by not drinking it has you know I mean by not drinking you really have to have a look at what the drinking was covering up I mean you take away a lot of the chaos that the drinking caused that my drinking caused me Mm. but you know that chaos probably masked quite a lot of feelings you know and so actually learning sort of to sit and look at how you're feeling and feel how you're feeling is is quite hard you know there's no no wonder I was quite happy to sort of you know have Bacardi and water because it's hard I in fact Um, there there are a few things harder than what you went through and you masked all those smaller chaoses with one great big yeah flamboyant chaos yeah that's really forgivable I think as a as a strategy it's just um, not sustainable and you know and and you know I'll be honest that you know it is not my my you know alcohol was in my life a long time before the accident happened you know I have got a collection of things that I have managed to acquire in pubs when people have given them to me or things I've swapped you know (laughs) I don't think that you know it's like oh yes here's the amber necklace that some women randomly gave me at a thing or here's another thing that someone gave me here's a hat that I you know I mean just a lot of pub chaos a lot of pub magpie Basically, I was a pub magpie, like squawking away with my eye on shiny stuff. And, you know, and and the other thing, you know, if I'm completely honest, is I grew up with, um, you know, with, with some some with some people who probably also had a problematic mm. relationship with alcohol at times. Um, and, I, you know, I'm not, not going to sort of name and shame, no, but... No. I got to a point where I realised that behaviour that made me so uncomfortable in other people, I had somehow, somehow with some sort of dissonance, sort of, it was okay if I was doing it. If I did it, it was different. Whereas if I was around people who, um, you know, who used alcohol in a certain way, 
I mean, I would feel the hairs rise on the back of my neck. Wow. And after a while, I began to realise that I couldn't hold those two things. That's incredible. At once. You know, I could not, you know, I, I couldn't ignore how emotionally and physically I felt around certain people and yet go forth and pretty much do the same thing it was like these these two kind of tectonic plates of Mm. of realization and behavior it was like they were you know they're kind of moving apart Um, it's incredible how long we can let those tectonic plates grind together before we notice isn't it i mean and it's normal you know i mean you know drinking a lot or or drinking is normal you know drinking is normalized drinking a lot i think particularly you know, as we've said, you know, the industry I work in is not, you know, it, it's, it, it does, if not encourage it, then it certainly condones a lot of drinking. And I'm not, uh, you know, I'm really not judging sure. anybody else here. This is, this is my journey and but, my experience. You're, you're far from the first journalist to say it either. Yeah. It's not exactly you're the lone voice here, you know. No, and, uh, but also, I mean, my, my big thing, you know, across work events, across sitting on my own, across family things, you know, I could never see the point in having one drink. Right. Mm. You know, it was never a drink. Yeah. It was always um, one led to the other to the other. Yeah. If it, you know, what was the point of having a drink when you could have all of the drinks? Mm. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, and that's not to say that every time I had a drink, I was, you know, rip snortingly drunk. But no. my goal or, or even probably my unacknowledged goal was like more is better. <laughs> one is nice more is better yeah um because I, so yeah. I think we still this is, this is my big this is my grand theory of my own yeah. drinking is that I think I'm still trying to open up that doorway into wonder that it felt like when I was a teenager yeah, yeah. and I've realized as I've got older that it's just always disappointing that it doesn't yeah. it opens no doorway because I'm still sitting in my own living room watching QI and it's yeah. you know in my pajamas and I'm going to go to bed at 10 o'clock you know? yeah, it's it's I mean it's an it's amazing um you know there's I, I, I think the magic potion sort of imagery you know it, it's a bit like glamour you know it's a bit like mm. the sort of the idea of the fairy glamour, glamour yeah that you sort of see you know this beautiful world and it's like this but actually you're eating ashes or mm. you know you think that you're you know, you think that you're dancing with a fairy queen, but really it's, you know, it, it, it's something quite different. Um, and, yeah, just uh, and learning that. And not just learning it as in, oh, yeah, of course, that's not as good. But but sort of learning to feel that and to, mm. to know it is really hard, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I... Um, yeah, I'm, I just... I mainly feel relief. I feel relief, you know. I've spent... You know, I spent the dark winter months that normally are the months of mulled wine. <laughs> They're the months of, you know, champagne at, you know, festive things. They're the months of Bloody Mary because you had a bit too much to drink last mm. night at the thing. They're sort of like, oh, a bracing walk and then, oh, some pints in the pub and a roast dinner. They're, you know, yeah. yeah. Bailey's there you know all of those things dark and to, spirits to, you know whiskey dark, yeah exactly all of that you know, and, you know <laughs> and and actually you know I found I found this really different side of winter mm. um being very on message with wintering but but actually yeah, winter really to me <laughs> actually winter to me that had been so sort of bound up with you know with that sort of socializing that that sort of um 
you know, Yule time, mm. this sort of, you know, bonfire, bonfires in the dark and, and firewater. Yeah, just, just to um, learn that actually dark evenings were fine because I'd get in and actually if I wasn't drinking, sometimes I was quite tired and I went to bed. I get the sense you really learnt to take care of yourself in the months yeah, that and, followed. Yeah, and, and I read, you know, there's a fantastic book um, by the author Alan Jenkins called uh, Morning, um, and yeah. it's a manifesto about how to sort of learn... It's not... Saying to learn to love mornings, that makes it sound like it's a self-help book, and it isn't. It's just a really beautiful account of somebody who likes getting up early in the morning, writing each day that he gets up what what it's like and what he looks for and what he enjoys and interspersed it through the book is talking to other sort of interesting and creative people about their relationship with early mornings and great I must look that up I'll put that in the show notes really really good um and beautiful and I I read it before and was like oh yeah I'm not going to set my alarm early to do that (laughs) no way you know I've got to need as much sleep as I can get because I'll feel rough as arses (laughs) But it obviously spoke to something in me. And actually, over the winter, I started setting my alarm early. I started mm. getting up at six and started giving myself time before work because I, it, all of a sudden, like evenings for me were a time when I was just really tired. So you were um, feeling that for the first time. I mean, I'm so a great feeling... lover of mornings and I just think yeah. that silence in the morning is so much bigger than the silence at night. And it is that sense of intimacy and quiet and, and a snuck this secret special time that nobody it's else amazing you know and, and to get up and it, and it was dark you know and everyone's like oh dark mornings and I'd <laughs> always be like oh dark mornings and I would get up and I would light candles and I would do do a bit of yoga and I would call it stretching because I me and yoga over the years I mean I go back to it like a dog to its vomit but I mean we're <laughs> it's there's not a lot of kind of zen it's 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 quite a grudging relationship <laughs> I think stretches um, just sound so much more so relaxed. Stretches, <laughs> you know, and and listening to the radio and maybe doing some embroidery and just being just this new this whole new time, and and the darkness was incredibly comforting. It was mm. like it was like velvet. It was like a a dark velvet sort of nest. Yeah. Um, and not feeling like absolute crap in the mornings, and not feeling. You know, I used to, I used to, for years, joke that what got me out of bed in the morning was coffee and fear. You know, (laughs) those were the two things. It was only sort of terror at the thought that I'd lose my job and coffee that would sort of give me a kick up the arse. And actually, over over the course of the winter, I I actually gave up coffee for a while. Wow, Um, you had a, you had a revolution. Coffee and alcohol. Just stop taking, just stop having, taking it. Oh, there we go, (laughs) see? (laughs) There it is. Um, You know, and then, and then actually I decided to bring it back in and I'd have a coffee a day. But, you know, waking up, having a cup of tea, learning about this thing called breakfast um, that that people eat. (laughs) Yes, yes we do, yep. Yep. Yeah, Often well, never, never, you never managed to get really get my head around breakfast. Uh, but yeah, uh, <laughs> but these mornings, you know, like like my little, it was it was a real sanctuary. And I'm not saying that I got up every single morning at, at six, but it became something that I did and that I still do. You know, and now mm. you know, over... it's very easy to it in the summer, isn't it? Because the light can wake you up and. You say that. I mean, I've, I live in a basement flat, and so you know, and I can <laughs> the light sleep. I can sleep. I mean, I, my my yeah, I am very very good at sleeping. I'm very grateful that I'm good at sleeping, but it, I do have to make an effort to sort of wake up. But right. 
in the summer it's amazing i have been getting up to see the dawn and mm. um i think before i gave up drinking i'd seen the dawn as in i've got up to see the dawn twice <laughs> in my life once once was sort of years ago and i went to the grand canyon to go and like look at it at dawn well, that's Ooh. definitely worth it and another time when I went on a on a fitness retreat, um, and they a made you of years ago. Well, they didn't. Well, they made everyone get up. Well, everyone's getting up for go for a run, and it was the last morning. And I was like, I don't care. I'm not running anymore. And I sat and um, and I looked, and I really sort of saw the dawn. But yeah, recently I, it's just a, it's amazing. You know, it is amazing. <laughs> I turned I turned forty um, a couple of weeks ago, and on on my fortieth birthday, I went to. Parliament Hill in Hampstead Heath in North London and you know went to see the sun rise and there were various people around and some people were there with their dogs and some people were there with their cameras and there were some younglings who'd obviously been up all night on the bandstand sort of squawking <laughs> and there was you know there was this trio of um you know sort of bohemian hippie types with a, a bodron drum and a very chic dog and they were sort of singing and my initial reaction was like Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> but actually, it was beautiful. Yeah. And the song was beautiful. And the fact that we were all there to see the dawn, all in our own, you know, for our own reasons, and all there to see this thing that happens every day, this absolutely sort of amazing, natural show. You know, and I thought, God, my life has really changed. And you know what? I am so happy and relieved mm. um it's so lovely that it has happened so gently for you because obviously that's that's not true for everyone and, and no. you know but for you it seems like you just had your day with it and you were over it and yeah you've just found a different phase that is actually really nourishing and and wonderful for you I love yeah that. and I you know and I feel really really lucky you know because I were some you know I mean, I've lost count of the drunken injuries and the like, you know, oh God, where did that bruise come from? <laughs> oh God, how much did I spend? You know, there was a lot of chaos mm. and, you know, uh, uh, you know, in touch wood, you know, today I'm not going to have a drink. Yeah. That's what's in, you know, that's what I can control today. Um, I'd like to think that I won't have one tomorrow, but I'll deal with that when I come to it. And, you know, being in recovery, um, because, you know, I am part of a of a 12-step fellowship, mm. um, which, you know, is so different to how I imagined it would be. You know, I feel very grateful and very lucky. Well, I think it's just really great to hear you talk in just such an open and honest and shame-free way I, I really I just got massive respect for that so oh, I'll, thank you. I'll make sure I put all of your social links yeah on, I do um, you know and I'm notes. you know I really um you know that and there's so many fantastic you know women increasingly speaking out about speaking out like it's a dirty secret mm. you know talking about their sobriety and what they get from it and you know I I'm I'm really excited uh, to have learned from them um, and to be sort of following in their footsteps because that you know we there's enough there's enough heaping of shame you yeah. know and yeah, and I'm I would never that. want to shame anybody for their drinking and if it gets them through the night you 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 know not absolutely go for it but for me it wasn't working anymore and there are so many different ways of living well on that note thank you yeah. so much Rebecca <sighs> my pleasure thank really you. great to talk to you And that's all for this week's wintering sessions. Thanks so much to Rebecca Armstrong for telling her story so eloquently. 
If you enjoyed the podcast, please hit subscribe, give it some stars or tell your friends whatever your podcast app allows. I'll be back next week with another fantastic writer talking about their wintering experience. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. <laughs> 